0: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare Short-Term Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. What most people
1: Hello and welcome to the second effort at me starting the podcast episode 139 of What Most People Think. This is the podcast if this is the first time you're listening to it, which is, you know, it's coming from the revolutionary end of comedy, which is the end that probably is more in line with what most people think. But certainly that's not always the case, but that is always the endeavour is to arrive at reasonable and commonly held opinions. And, and on that note, I mean, somebody who deals in that area, who has that written to his DNA is uh, Christopher snow Snowden, welcome back to the show, mate. Hello, Jeff. pleased to pleased to be here again for I think the third time. Your,
0: what you just said then reminded me of a good tweet I saw yesterday, actually, which simply said, "I am a." Twitter
1: centrist, or
0: as I'm known in the office,
1: the communist. <laughs> <laughs> that is a fairly good filter for the difference between social media and the world. I mean, that will come up today, actually. Um, but just while we're on, you know, when you do these sort of shows, you have to do a light hearted start. And I just, I just thought I'd have a quick check of the news to see if anything had uh, any stories are broken. And there's talk about making the, this bank holiday permanent or the next one can i just say like i'm all up for another bank holiday why the fuck have they all got to be around this time of the year is there a logical reason for this christianity in it i think isn't it? various christian things happening easter obviously but then got easter. whatever they are
0: what's may socialism may... actually it's socialism isn't it the may early may 1 i don't know what the end of may 1 for but i think that is probably christian based in some way we need some more in summer yeah really uh, is, that, is that what the are talking about? So when you say this bank holiday? Did you mean the special one for the Queen's Jubilee?
1: I, I think, yeah, quite possibly. I mean, let's be honest. The fact it's starting on a Thursday, that is an absolute start the mo- motor on getting more wasted than you've been since the is 90s. Is it? It's Thursday it? and Friday? Thursday. I mean, it's genius. O- only an absolute rampant session monster like the Queen could have signed off on something like this. Yeah, and it, the pubs are staying I- later as a result. I mean, you could be hungover on Friday, get to the pub again on Saturday and have another hangover on Sunday, still be right as rain Monday. And when I say right as rain, women of a certain age, I mean, not right at all. Sad and, and tired, but but capable of functioning. I mean, what I want to know about is why this never gets considered for a bank holiday. Is the absolute barren chasm between September, so you get the August bank holiday right at the end, all the way to Christmas. Yep. Why does no one ever talk about a bank? bank smack in the middle then, we're all on our arses, we've all got colds, we've all got flus. Why not around, you know, Guy Fawkes Night? That could be a sort of cod-patriotic night. Just a bit of a, of a carve-up then. We have to go... It, look, I mean, to tie it into some of the modern discussions, this would have a good effect on immunity, wouldn't it? Would it? Oh, a, like a mini-lockdown? A mini-lockdown mini slash piss-up. Yeah, you'd be out in the pub, so that wouldn't work at all. That would make things worse. A lock-in lockdown... So, yeah, we will be talking about a wide raft of subjects this week. I mean, last night, uh, as we're recording this, uh, Elon Musk bought Twitter and Twitter had a meltdown par excellence. I mean, if you can see me, I'm kissing my fingers together. So we're going to chat about Twitter, about Elon Musk. We're also going to chat a bit about Macron being re-elected in France. And then there was a a very odd video of Justin Trudeau, who was like a weird kind of centrist Santa Claus, telling all the little kids... Uh, that they could have their vaccine soon, all the excited four and five-year-old kids, and uh, explain it, displaying an enthusiasm for it, which makes you understand why conspiracy theorists exist. But before we get into all of that, uh, we've got new patrons. So the new patrons, as ever, we will um, speculate on their names. We've got Smudger, just Smudger, who I can only presume is some sort of someone time-travelling from the 70s.
0: Smith,
1: maybe. Smith, but there's very few um, Smiths out there that still identify as Smudger. Uh, I I don't know. It does sound like a Beano character. Bash Street Case potentially. Smudger. I mean, there are still some mainstream comics that work the cruise ships that would have a name like that. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, now for 45 minutes of, well, he can't do the racism anymore. And uh, he's actually not allowed to do the mother-in-law jokes anymore. So for 45 minutes of introspection, uh, please welcome Smudger. So uh, Alistair Grain Alistair Grain I mean the obvious thing to do here is exactly what I'm going to do is is going against the grain I mean you should have your own daytime quiz show where he hosts it right you are going against the grain like the chase a bit like the chase yeah and and maybe maybe just like grain he's uh, very expensive at the moment there you go little mm. little reference Popical to Popol the- <laughs> Topical yeah about the
0: forthcoming famine
1: yeah, yeah. I, I mean, look, I, I, I'll be honest, Chris, I've done this, this is 139th episode. I think that may be one of the worst jokes I've ever done. <laughs> I, I think it's certainly in a Hall of Fame. If there's any super fans out there, then let me know if, if you if you think that's up there, certainly on the uh, podium positions. And we've got John Pound, and John is a returning patron, I think. Welcome back to John Pound. I mean, John Pound, it sounds like either surname or reputation, if you know what I mean. He slaps it on the table. <laughs> John Pound of Flesh, <laughs> Wilkinson.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I wasn't thinking you were going to go in that direction, but yeah, I suppose I could say that.
1: I've always got a cock on the brain, mate. Um, so just on the note of uh, Patreons, there's stuff coming up. Uh, well, there was exclusive video. There was an online gig just last week. Uh, there'll be uh, another Patreon only episode this week there'll be more exclusive video and there was a special offer which dropped on the Patreon. So if you do like the podcast and you do like it continuing as it currently is uh weekly and ad free. Ad free because uh I you know I'm be- I, you know me Chris, i I'm I'm besieged by trendy uh trendy corporations just knocking down my door. They can't wait to be associated with a podcast that discusses things like on the trans debate. Yeah
0: no, no please don't ever sell out
1: Jeff. Well, you can't only sell out if there's a buyer. Uh, we have a new format, Chris, since you were last here, called Domain Talking Point. We've got a... a the, the, the usual listeners would be bored of me explaining this, but we've got a super patron called David Domain, and uh, he now looks back on some of the content from last week, and he he comes up with Domain Talking Point. All right, nice. Yeah. Uh, here's a question for you. Would you ever let your dog lick your face? I mean, I, I feel like I've started very light this week. We will get into meaty subjects here, but we've done bank holidays, And would you ever let a dog lick your face? And David asked this question because there's a theory from the USA, so that's the first uh, you know, sort of red flag, um, (laughs) that it's good for anti-aging. Really? uh, Yeah. Mm. Would you ever let a dog lick your face? No, no. I haven't got a dog, and I'm not very keen
0: on them licking me anywhere. My brother's got a dog which always comes up to me and tries to lick my hand, and I don't like that at all. Even your hand? Well, it's the nearest thing. I mean, you can't really reach my face, generally speaking. So it starts yeah. lower down, you know. Starts with your hand, and I bat it away. He's only trying to be friendly. I know they're trying to be friendly, but I'm not. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't mind a cat licking my face potentially, but they don't really. What? They don't offer to mean, this. Well, they've got nice I mean, little little tongues, have not they? Have you
1: felt a cat's tongue? It's yeah, they're rough. rough. It's
0: just nice. They're awful.
1: Yeah, but it's like exfoliation. I imagine. I mean, oh my God, now you say that, I can imagine loads of uh, footballers' wives in Cheshire now going to a place that has t- small kittens that they just sort of line yeah. them up on a thing, sellotape them to a stick, and just. I told my son the other day, by the way, for the first time, that there are people in the world that eat dog. Mm. And he he was he was so shocked about that. And then I put it to him, but what if another culture thought of chickens in the way that we thought of dogs? And that also blew his mind. But then he said, and this is why I think he's a bright boy, no one would ever think that about chickens. Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> <laughs> They're <laughs> are souls aren't yeah. they? I mean Do you think that the first time somebody actually ate chicken was to shut it up?
0: yeah quite possibly they're very annoying aren't they the roosters in particular
1: well they I mean it's interesting with chickens is that they they're they're one of the few animals that gets kind of like when you go to KFC that they actually they like to heavily remind you what you're eating and I think that that's because (laughs) we resent chickens so they're playing into that 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 sort of idea that they had it coming
0: yeah well they're flightless birds I haven't got any time for flightless birds of any kind I think they should all be extinct I appreciate in the case of chickens, it's, it's humans that have made them flightless, really. Yeah. Unlike penguins, which are just naturally useless. We've just made chickens so fat that they can't fly.
1: Imagine seeing chicken fly. It'd be quite a sight, wouldn't it? There are loads of animals that I think, if you, if you just happened upon them in a clearing, so if you were living in a, in a more primitive age without access to information and you were just kind of foraging, and then you just came across like a decent-sized cow, you go, what the fuck is that? Mm. It's a big, big thing. And then you would go. I bet that's tasty because cacao's just look tasty, don't they? I mean, I don't want to say that so. they. I don't want to say if that if you'd they... never tasted one, I don't think you would assume they're tasty.
0: That's probably oh, true on, of any animal, isn't it? But flightless birds have got it coming. I mean, if you can't fly <laughs> and you're a bird, you're gonna get you know you're gonna get killed neat, aren't you? The dodo being a famous example, the famously tasty dodos, very very tasty, oh, really? but they couldn't fly, and so they just wiped out in about five years.
1: But if you ever... Do you remember in the old butchers when you would see the the map of m- cuts of meat you could get from a cow? Like yeah. all the different... It's like a fucking theme park, Chris. It's all good stuff, isn't it? Why don't you stop Every off last it, bit oh, of it. Slide down the tongue. I mean, so like annoying. they... I don't want to say that they had it coming because in, in the modern society that's a very contentious thing to say. But I do think that sometimes they must look at themselves and go, look, fair's fair. We are... We're made to be eaten, but you're a big fan of chicken, aren't you? KFC and all that isn't that your I favorite? Love chicken. chicken, yeah. I, well, one thing I've been annoyed about over the last few years is that do you remember when like they used to say that KFC? Do you remember this with this urban myth that KFC weren't they had to change it to KFC rather than Kentucky Fried Chicken because what they were creating was so scientifically and genetically removed from chickens they weren't allowed to call it chicken, which kind of glossed over the fact that the menu said the word chicken about 58,000 times and quite clearly they were just trying to sound trendy. However, I would argue that the size of the chicken breast that you now get from KFC, I would happily start re-injecting those hormones again because they're coming out looking like fucking sparrows. The, um, so, as ever, we do a thank you and a fuck you, and as a co hosting guest, you have uh, the privilege you can either do one or, or both of these, if there's something that comes to mind, like a simple act of gratitude or resentment.
0: oh uh, of resentment usually is my cup of tea. I'm going to go with, um, it's a bit of a cliched one, really. I almost hate to do it, but Tony Blair. Mm. Um, I'm not a big Blair hater, but he came out of the, you know, wherever where he bases Tony Blair Institute. Days. Yeah, Tony Blair Institute. The
1: imaginatively named. And said that we should
0: now we've got 50% of young people going to universities, most of whom are getting an enormous amount of debt for no real benefit for jobs that don't exist. He wants to increase that to 70%. This is one of the worst policies is his government introduced. Never had any Mm. any rationale for it, really, other than this boneheaded idea that that graduates earn more money therefore if everyone's a graduate everyone will earn more money you know and he's uh he's he's doubled down on it and said he wants to make it 70 percent now so that annoyed me even
1: though it was quite a while ago (laughs) no no you're you're preaching to the choir here i just didn't i thought it was one of those it was an early sign of the kind of incantations you know we get a lot of those now where left-wing or progressive people will just repeat themselves they'll repeat highly contested ideas and they just think if they sort of sing it to themselves long enough that everyone will think the same thing, you know, whether it's trans men and men, or whether it's another one of an example one of, of that of, of that thing. It just goes never... against
0: economics in such an obvious way. And the, the supply and demand. It's like, well, yeah, if you have only two percent of the population gone to university, mm. and then obviously two percent of jobs are kind of graduate jobs are going to be paid better. Yeah. But just creating more graduates doesn't create more graduate jobs. <laughs> particularly no. at the kind of universities of what people are going to these days. So it's it's a horrendous. I was I was at a um, a talk in the Scottish Parliament a few years ago about mm. poverty. I was there with Darren McGarvey. Do you know him? He's a good mm, guy. Yeah, the one that did poverty, poverty Safari, Safari. yeah. He was yeah. there. And there were a couple of people from sort of do-gooding charities, I think. And I was there as usual as a token, you know, libertarian or free market or whatever. And they didn't particularly like the audience didn't particularly like what i was saying it was a sort of it was a political festival so you can imagine the kind of people who i've
1: done the same thing in yeah. edinburgh
0: there right? but the only thing i got a, a round of a big round of applause for was saying that university is essentially a con for most people and we should be sending far yeah. pe- fewer people there i thought that would go down quite badly but it didn't um probably because a lot of the people in the audience have children or grandchildren who have been put
1: through this rip off Mm. industry and 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 also would have would have bought into it you know my mum was passionate about me going to university but the truth is is that the degrees that matter are still and the universities that are likely to give you a leg up in life exponentially come from a a kind of a grade boundary range that typically only accessed by kids whose parents have, have got resources so you sort of you know i remember in the 90s a lot of my pals were doing like sports sciences a, a, a sort of um kind of revamped polytechnics and mm. and and i talk about it in the book by the way where did i go write the paperback which is out and available on amazon and uh, and uh, also waterstones it's the, it's the it just felt like they were putting people in an economic holding pattern you go right we haven't got anywhere to land these people so you know like when you, when you just get circular we are now flying up to manchester we will be on a fort until we get a landing gate and i think that that's what's happening to, to people now and especially at a weird time when when because of brexit there's certain jobs which are actually increasing in value you know certain manual trades and even you know basic hospitality jobs you go yeah i'd be worth sitting down and doing the sums now because they now say you know it is still financially better across a lifetime to go to university you go yeah but by how much because if it's like three grand i say yeah. just get out there and that's you know. a,
0: and that's an average as well right? A lot of people would be way below the average and they would be much better off not going. The whole thing is a a con. I mean, it's, it's, it's a grift pretty much really. And it's usually working class people are most badly affected by it because there's that thing, I'm the first person in my family to ever go to university. And that drives people to go and do what is often a totally pointless course at a a low grade Mm. university. And they end up 30, 40,000 pounds in debt. And having to pay that off when they're earning basically a McDonald's wage, it, the, and it's just gone up. The interest rates just gone up, hasn't it? Like by like, like nearly ten percent. It has gone up. Yeah, it's, uh, up it's criminal. The whole thing is criminal. And it also, it's not just a, the students who, who suffer; the graduates who suffer because because so many people can't even afford to pay the student loan off at, at that rate, which is pretty low, really. Um, the taxpayer ends up with a massive bill. You know, the, the about half of all the student debt is going to be written off, which means the taxpayer picks up the top.
1: Well, that is a good fuck you. I'll just throw in a thank you. Um, Greg's, Greg's the bakers. Uh, they are popping up all over because I live out, you know, in a sort of semi rural area. And a beautiful thing has started happening, Chris. Is just at petrol stations, just normal petrol stations, little Greg's concessions coming up, like, just like emerging out of the ground. And and I. Just, just to have like a, on a whim, just have a warm sausage roll. It's mm. so much better than, you know, because of course, if you go to a shell garage, you've got Jamie's special menu. Yeah. He's never, he's never at those fucking sandwiches in his life. But now next door, next door, I, I've got a Greg's. And I just think that we, we've often, you know, when it comes to the fast food giants, we've often talked them down, but let's look cheap hot meals in in the time of a cost of living crisis, graduate jobs, Let's get on our fucking knees and, and give fillet all of these these fast food giants for providing an economy. I mean, how many kids now? Like the percentage of kids that would have served people food for a living must be five times higher than it was when we were kids. What's your is that
0: your favourite, the sausage roll and Greg's? I go chicken chicken bake is the thing. I'm you've got me hungry again now
1: for the second time in ten minutes. <laughs> Just thinking about Did-
0: a chicken bake.
1: Just reassure yourself with the fact that if you did have a chicken bake, you would be hungry again in about 15 minutes. Let's get into the first big subject of the day and it is the purchase of Twitter by everyone's fan favorite, Elon Musk. Okay, so as we mentioned earlier, the news broke uh, late on on Monday. It had been in the offing for quite a while that that Elon Musk had completed his what was it forty four billion pound dollar purchase of uh, of Twitter. I mean, not that at that level it really makes that much difference in terms of exchange rates. Oh, it's actually a bit cheaper. That it's, uh, it's it's actually only about thirty seven billion quid. Um, and and it, what it prompted? I mean, the the level of the meltdown that I saw on Twitter, I haven't seen for a long time. We had high profile people saying they were going to leave. Twitter, Jamila Jamil left Twitter, but left her Twitter account on because there's absolutely no way in the world that she's going to reactivate that after a suitable hiatus. And there was talk of it triggering World War (laughs) Three, a a a coarsening of debate, uh, or I think most probably will result in an edit button. That's my own little prediction of the biggest change to Twitter as a result of Elon Musk and it will be an edit button. It will be such a boring uh, technological development. And in terms of what people were catastrophizing, because we all know liberals, they specialize in catastrophizing. And we saw this a lot during the Brexit years. And I would say that it was up there with the predictions of post-Brexit super gonorrhea. But, I, I mean, it, it, it was just it was just very fucking entertaining. I don't like to normally be a shard and fraud guy who gets off on the old salty liberal tears, but I did forget how good they taste. <laughs>
0: It was yeah, it's amazing. I don't know. I, I don't know what these people's problem with Elon, Elon Musk is. I mean, this guy invented the Tesla, right, which is going to mm. help save the planet. Um, He's not very easy to pin down politically. I don't think he, you could say he's like mm. a, a, a rabid right winger or anything like that. He just I believes think in, everyone is in, literally they are saying, saying that now. He's a, yeah, okay. yeah, <laughs> but they didn't right, before. White
1: supremacists. Right? <laughs> yeah, they didn't before.
0: It's been like Donald Trump, you know, until he ran for president, no one was saying this guy is a white supremacist and a far right winger thought yeah. he was a, a weird guy you know and same way Elon Musk, people thought he was a bit of a weird guy but they didn't hate him as far as i know um the meltdown like you say has been hilarious and because c- catastrophizing is exactly the, w- the right word even if i can't say it i haven't seen the left so upset since the mash report got cancelled you know that was <laughs> <laughs> i was with
1: them on that yeah boy, but purely for I, I just uh just remortgaged
0: um so what's gonna happen i think actually i think it's good i mean it's it's so often that you get these wins isn't it you know what i mean and the Mm. the left respond so hysterically to what is only ever like a small bump in the road towards like their future becoming reality um but just the possibility that trump could be back on twitter that seems that's the main thing right that's what everyone's assuming that trump is going to be allowed back on twitter but and i think that will happen by the way i think he will I hope he doesn't do an edit button because it's a stupid idea that people are always asking for. And it's obvious why Twitter have never done it because they don't want you changing yeah. a well-retweeted message to say some, you know, obscene or whatever, yeah. right? That's obviously why they do it. If you, if you make a typo, just type out, delete the tweet and type it again.
1: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah.
0: that's by the way. The point is he, I think, will be um, uh, uh, introducing a more kind of liberal free speech regime. But that doesn't mean that it's the whole website is going to be wash with you know nazis saying let's mm. gas the jews or whatever it's it they still have to obey the law right mm-hmm. and yeah. as my colleague matt lesh pointed out uh, from the ia um the other day the the law uh, in britain at least is pretty draconian and about to get worse with this online safety bill so the idea that it's going to be a complete free-for-all and people are going to be able to commit hate crimes on Twitter is just not true because the law will prevent it. Now, in America, the law is obviously a bit a bit different, a bit better, I would say, when it comes to free speech. But there are still limits. I don't see Twitter, um, like, just totally rewriting its terms of service. Um, hmm. I, I mean... Elon Musk has called himself a free speech absolutist. A lot of people call themselves that, but then you ask him a few questions about well, what about this, what about that, and they go, "Well, obviously we wouldn't do that," you know. So he mm. wants. I would. I would hope and assume he wants people to be able to express unpopular opinions. Mm. Um, the trans issue you've already kind of mentioned, um, you know, Trump stuff pro-Republican stuff, whatever it may be. There are definitely too many people getting banned from Twitter for, for doing very little, as far as I can see. Mm. I think he wants to encourage that, but that doesn't mean that he wants to have the whole website full of, you know, hardcore pornography and, you know, rampant Islamophobia or anti-Semitism or, or whatever. So these people are wetting the bed again over nothing, I think.
1: I, I think as well that what was interesting, if you look at, you know, the, the possibility of the BBC becoming a uh, uh, sort of privately funded you look at the same issue with channel, four, channel yeah. and channel four uh, you look at twitter the problem is is like i have sympathy for all arguments on both sides of all of those arguments but one thing that the people that are most anti those things would say is is they would claim that all of those media aren't biased right there's absolutely no bias in these platforms or these channels they go well it seems to be uh Exactly the same sort of person that's most upset about this. It would seem be very odd if you were getting that upset about a possible change to the direction of traffic on Twitter, if you didn't feel that Twitter overrepresented your view. I mean, you only have to look at how the kind of traction a tweet can get. Like, say, for example, I don't know, some fucking bellend that was on uh, that was on Dancing with the Stars goes on and does a fairly obvious tweet about don't say gay. Okay, right? So they get there's plenty of them doing this. Probably rack up could easily rack up two hundred thousand likes right for a fairly basic sentiment you know I'm not I'm not taking issue with the sentiment itself but now the other question is it, so it definitely had it definitely lends itself to a certain Point of view. If you look at the way that the idea of revoking the Brexit vote got traction, largely on Twitter. I mean, this was this was the forum in which it was magnified, and if anything, sort of hamstrung the idea of getting a soft Brexit because they got over encouraged towards an end goal that was frankly uh, unachievable. Uh, The other question on the other side of that is simply whether the sheer volumes of conservative people exist. Or right-wing people in in the numbers to actually get on and dominate a social media platform like Twitter. And if they are on it, they're
0: not obsessively tweeting about everything all the time and trying to get things trending and all this stuff, you know? I see, on a regular basis, when I'm looking at my computer screen on Twitter, I see the trending topics and... It's so often, you know, Boris Johnson out, resign Boris Johnson, Tory genocide. All. I have no idea what these people are talking about. This, the, the actual tweets never come up in my in my time. Brexit
1: right. shambles, Boris' all this stuff.
0: Yeah, presumably there are people constantly enraged about this and tweeting and and, and drumming up a, a Twitter storm, whatever they call it, and. I'm totally unaware of the content because you curate your own Twitter feed. You know these people gone about the edit button. Just use a block button. If you use a block button, you've got no reason to worry about being inundated with these imaginary Nazis on on Twitter. I mean, they probably exist somewhere, but I don't come across them because the people I follow don't hate all those blues and wouldn't retweet it. So you're not going to see mm-hmm. it. So the, all the the problems people have with Twitter can be solved by blocking people as far as I'm concerned. It's 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 sort of like the opposite of Facebook. With Facebook, which I'm not on anymore, but Facebook, you're building up your friends, right? By selecting mm. people you like. With Twitter, you're sort of doing the same thing, but by excluding the people you don't like. And eventually you'll end up with a bigger audience because there's a lot of people who, who are totally benign and don't don't say anything either way. But it's just a different way of going about it. With, with, with Facebook, you're actively making friends. With Twitter, you're actively blocking enemies.
1: But you still get to the same destination. Just don't mm. moan about it. Just block people. It doesn't matter. The- one thing that it has unleashed that I've missed is the phenomenon of people flouncing out of something, or or the fake flounce. So we already mentioned Jamila. Jamila, who is people she? Sat- who is she? Uh, she's a, she's a, a actor, model, DJ, social activist, commentator. Oh, yeah. You know, she's very um, she's very sort of forthright, and she can get a lot of traction for things. She's also a bit of a hate figure for for the right as well, and she does get some unpleasant stuff come her way. But she she certainly can wind people up, right? But she's just one example of of many of something that we haven't seen for a while. Is people doing the flounce, the mm. fake flounce, right? Do you know, remember all the people that were going to move to Canada, Canada if Trump yeah. got in. Uh, remember the people going to move to France. Actually, no one person did move to France, but most of them, <laughs> did. beyond getting an Irish passport, most of them didn't really change their lives. I was just wondering if we need to introduce some sort of official sanction for saying that you're going to leave something and not leaving. So, if you say I'm leaving Twitter or any social media thing. you you trigger automatically, legally, a 10 days grace period to actually deliver on that. And then if you haven't, you get sentenced to some social media hell like having to watch husband and wife accounts on TikTok. We need to expose them to some of the worst of social media. Like having to be, perhaps, in the YouTube comments section. You know in in, um, Superman 2 where the criminals go off flying off in the glass thing where they're stuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, but you're stuck in the YouTube comments section on a racially contentious <laughs> fucking video. I tell you one kind of person who's who's definitely not gonna leave Twitter, journalists. Yes. Okay? Because th- their job becomes four thousand times more difficult if they can't do it via Twitter. So and, and there's a serious point here, and I'm not just knocking lazy journalism, but is the c- conversation is gonna continue. So actually, if you are of a left lean or progressive persuasion, and you think there are going to be loads of Nazis coming back on Twitter, there's never been a more important time to be here. And there is, um, you know, they, it, what the irony is, they were the same people that not so long ago, and apologies, I know this is very Twitter heavy, this, and not everyone who listens to this on Twitter, but it's one of those rare times where it really is the news. But there's a while ago when right-wing people felt that Twitter was so biased, they said, oh, I'm going to parlor yeah. or I'm going to Getter. Getter. But they're the exact same people went, go on, man. Fuck off, to parlor, Are the exact same people having the flounces? It's a free market. Yeah, so it's, it's a privately owned company, it? So it's can, a pr- they can look. Look, I'm not comfortable with them banning Trump either. But it's a privately owned company, and then privately owned company decides to make a private decision to sell to another private individual, and they all lose their fucking minds. Are there? Are there legitimate reasons to be afraid of? Elon Musk possessing this one platform, one man who ultimately, this is quite rare for a company of this size now, the the scale of ownership that he's got. Are there legitimate reasons to fear that?
0: Yes, I think there probably are. In the same way, there's legitimate reasons to fear any one individual owning what Musk himself has called the, the de facto public square. The fact that we... Me and you think that we agree with what we think he's going to do <laughs> yeah. doesn't change the fact that you know if bloody who, who who's the equivalent you know, if Michael Bloomberg bought it as someone I mm. despise but probably has the money to do so I would be very unhappy about that. The, the, the honest answer to your question is yes. It's it's a bit worrying really that people have so much power. But you know Zuckerberg didn't
1: Zuckerberg basically own Facebook on his own for a long time before it went public. Didn't one of the big billionaires just buy Twitch not so long ago? I can't remember which one of them. It's Musk, Bezos, and I don't Gates. Or something, yeah. yeah, sugar? No, not sugar. That's <laughs> <really>. <laughs> he never gets a look in. I don't know. What, he, he'd be buying. Uh, he'd be buying Vine. Do you remember that, <laughs> that platform? <laughs> Bebo. But is it the same? What's happening in a way like? Are we just seeing an evolution of rich bloke buys important thing? Because, yeah, if you think about Maxwell buying the mirror in the 80s, uh, if you look at um, Bezos bought the Washington Post didn't it, Murdoch obviously bought a lot of papers. Murdoch bought fucking everything. Is this just, you know, is it just the point with social media that it would inevitably arrive at the same space in terms of news ownership as uh, print press? Like a sort of oligarchy.
0: Yeah. Well, it could do. but yeah, although these things are, or might seem effective monopolies, they still aren't actually monopolies. You know, there was a, the classic headline, in The Guardian, 15 years ago now, will Myspace ever lose its monopoly? <laughs> 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 and things do change. And of course, you have a network effect. And as all these people who found out have gone to parlor and get it, there's really no point, you know, you've in this thing with Tommy Robinson, and Milo Yiannopoulos, and just a bunch of, you know, a handful of. Of weirdos and you haven't got the big names and the journalists or whatever the people you want to follow so it is hard to depart from these platforms but it it has happened before myspace to facebook being a prime example mm-hmm. the fall of friends reunited um it gets tougher with time for sure as more people get on there but if people were genuinely disgusted with the with the platform and the way it's been run not just with the owner but what they actually do then there is scope still for Um, an alternative emerge and because of that these tech giants that are portrayed as so powerful still actually do have the pressures of competition keeping them Mm. um not necessarily honest but keeping them uh making them provide something that people want to use and are happy
1: using is elon musk is he a list i've always thought that the left have a greater need for bogeymen than the right it's one It's one of the, the things you know when you you kind of calibrate your political character one of the things I can't stand about the left is hysteria uh, and the other is that there's just always a bo- a list of bogeymen and and you know he might be on a list with Elon Musk you know Lawrence Fox Piers Morgan they just they have to have these people and as, you, as you say earlier I'm, I, I don't in the substance of what people are saying determine much in the way of, of real like legitimate criticism more than Fucking hate that guy, or he's really rich. I hate that guy, or his spaceship. Was it his spaceship looked like a like a dick?
0: All spaceships look like dicks. It's, it's it's that is a very,
1: aerodynamic. Very it's the same same reason that dicks are
0: shaped like dicks because aerodynamic.
1: Well, and and also he's at least this looked like a good dick. I mean, the spaceships of years gone by would be like an impressively long, dick, but but lacking. In Girth, whereas that one? You go well. That's gonna that's gonna make people happy. I can't remember the <coughs> one you mean. But did it have a sort of helmet type, type thing? It though? had a helmet. It was, it was quite. It was, I can't <laughs> believe we ended not discussing. It's quite girthy. I thought it was an impressively, you know, stocky, well built thing. A lot of people get hung up with spaceships on length, but just without, you know, any personal thing. I think look at Girth. That's what I would say. Uh, look at Girth. So what started as a discussion is, is Chris now googling the. Might have a look. Yeah. The, the Elon Musk uh, spaceship well in, in the meantime what started off as a very informed discussion about the ownership of uh, social media has descended into a discussion about cocks oh yeah I see what you mean <laughs> OK, uh, just to hype a couple of things, as I mentioned before, the paperback Where Did I Go Right, um, which now has a, a new cover, a photo of me looking like a right Dickensian street urchin, uh, that is out, of course the audiobook is still available, you can order the paperback from uh, Amazon or or Waterstones or Amazon or indeed Waterstones and, and there is available in some independent bookshops, uh, the tour is back out this week on Friday the 29th, I'm in South, South End, then I'm in Manchester, and then I'm just in Maidstone because you don't really pronounce that differently up coming tour dates uh just pick from this Chris if there's any of these you'd like to spend a weekend at so we've already had Southend Manchester and Maidstone Ipswich on the seventh of May nice. the Oxford on the thirteenth of May Huntingdon on the fourteenth Glasgow on the nineteenth uh-huh. uh, uh Spalding on the twenty eighth and Wimbledon Theatre on the 29th. If you, if you were forced at gunpoint, and it would be a weird offer, to have a mini-break, <laughs> some guy just arrives with a fucking revolder, revolver. <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, Ipswich, probably. Quite, quite fond of
1: East Anglia. Ipswich?
0: Yeah.
1: Are you, are you, you mean getting out of the town centre, though, surely? I mean, come on. Yeah, I'll probably nip over to Norwich, to be honest. It's got it's got a lot of nail bars. Let's put it that way. Um, So yeah, is anything with yourself, uh, Chris? Anything that people should be looking out for? I mean, obviously, there's your social media, your Twitter, which is always, always informative. I mean, just today, for example, uh, you pointed out there was an article from the BBC which said, huge spike in violent crimes post-lockdown ending, which first up, yeah, oh, yeah I'd imagine when people out in the world see other people, the risk of violence does go up, but it kind of covered uh, a deeper truth, which was that...
0: Uh, it's actually the second lowest on record, as the BBC <laughs> showed in a, in a graph that showed you, that actual <laughs> severe violence has gone down remarkably over the last 20 years. I had no idea. It was quite encouraging. I don't know really know what serious violence is, as opposed to trivial yeah. violence. Uh, i mean there was meant to be a big rise of domestic violence in the lockdown is that are they saying that's not serious because that would be oh
1: well, yeah that
0: wouldn't be very
1: although there wasn't enough of it to to offset the the overall reduction but yeah. yeah as you say though if you just scroll down a third of the page their own graph shows a, a really dramatic <laughs> downward curve with a tiny little blip at the end going upwards yeah. So I think if if you like someone that would uh, that will both hold the BBC to account, but also hold down some of the uh, uh, kind of uh, the, the the extreme end of of, of anti vax as well, then then do make sure that you are following Chris and check out his books, which are still available. coming out
0: this weekend. Actually, on Sunday, uh, we looked at how much minimum pricing has cost drinkers in Scotland in the last four years. It's quite so a this lot. Is, I can't give you any
1: more spoilers than that. It's quite a lot. So, yeah, if you have a libertarian, bent and you, you have hesitations about the rise of the nanny state, or you just don't really like people interfering with your consumption of alcohol or nicotine, then I would give Chris a follow. OK, we're just going to do a, a quick look at the Macron uh, victory in the presidential elections here. And, and you you sort of seem to have a, a similar reaction to me and, and a lot of people, is that obviously, I mean, I did not want Le Pen to win. You know, is an odious little prick. But at this particular point in time, I just didn't feel that that kind of, you know, that kind of rancor uh, was necessarily good for, for the planet. Some listeners might think differently, but um, it was the least worst of the two outcomes, it seemed. But it, meanwhile, Le Pen's vote went up a lot. I mean, a lot compared to 2017. It was just under 42% uh, of the vote. And, and I suppose the question, Chris, is, is do you think centrist did sort of try to gloss over the rise in, in the vote for the far right candidate? And if so, why?
0: Um, I don't know if they tried to gloss over. I mean, people on the right tried to gloss over the fact that she is far right. That's more what I heard when I tweeted about it. I just put a tweet out saying, you know seems mm. a bit worrying that 42% of the French public are prepared to vote for the far-right candidate and lots of people said, oh she's not far-right Well, she's got lots of left-wing economic policy she believes in nationalization and stuff like that so, well yeah, if you know anything about fascist movements over, <laughs> the, over the years that's not unusual for the far-right yeah. so maybe the far-rights a confusing term maybe we should just say fascist or whatever but you know she is yeah and, and I know that she's tried to Polish yourself up, and that over the years. Mm. I was—I happened to be in Paris in 2003, I think, when there was a runoff between her dad, John, what's he called, jean Michel uh, mm. Le Pen, and whoever it was, can't remember who it was. And uh, there were there were big protests going on. there's a big protest against Le Pen, which I ended up joining in. But there was also a big protest in favour of Le Pen <laughs> on the other side of mm. town, and we saw a lot of people going to this protest, right and. I, I would have no hesitation in saying these people were far-right thugs. Not all of them, obviously, but there were some pretty serious-looking mm. people with big boots on and things like that. Now, no doubt she is a bit nicer than her father, but still, it's basically the, the far-right or the, the, the fascist, whatever you, you want to call it. It doesn't matter how many industries she wants to nationalise. Um, so, look, it's a two-horse race, so it's it's not as if she's everybody's first choice but she was a lot of people's first choice, you know, in the, in mm. the, in the previous round. And I, a lot of this is, um, well, it's obviously about immigration, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's the, the, the big issue, I assume, people are, are voting um, for her. And I just thought it was interesting that, you know, we're supposed to be, you know, we're supposed to have a far-right leader in Boris Johnson and Brexit was a far-right project and all this mm. rubbish at you all the time. Whereas just over the water in France, people are in very large numbers voting for someone who actually is far right. Mm.
1: Yeah, I mean, we saw some comment in and around trying to conflate Boris with Le Pen. And I just I just think he's way closer to, to Macron. That is the strange duality of Boris Johnson's premiership is he's, he's that for a lot of conservatives, he's the kind of wokest, most economically uh, left wing
0: this is what happens when you start calling everybody far right you you lose the ability to actually spot somebody who is a bit of a fascist mm. and the BBC in particular is always referring to some far right leader in wherever it may be Slovenia I think was a hard right leader I assume that's a bit mm. a bit softer than extreme far right like. but I find myself having to google these people to actually look at what their policies are and sometimes like Bolsonaro in Brazil you go okay fair enough he is far right Yeah. yeah. and other times you go well he's just a conservative really if I was like I can yeah. see. So we, we lose the ability to, to tell the difference. And the Rwanda thing, you know, that was pretty Patel's policy. Right? She's quite an unconvincing mm. far-right figure, I would suggest, Mrs Patel. Mm. Um, and people are obviously paying for Boris Johnson's blood at the moment. And, you know, I think there's a good chance he'll have to resign in the next few months. I don't know. But the people who are most keen on him going and think it would be a big win for him to fall um are in for a shock very likely when the next leader comes in because it won't be in all likelihood it won't be some you know big state big taxing big project uh metropolitan liberal like boris it might be an actual conservative you know and so be careful what you wish for is what i'd say to our friends on the left
1: and I guess what they're saying to a point, if they're honest, is that they probably know that deep down, but it comes down to how something feels. It comes down to putting far more importance on, on what people say than than what they do. Speaking about the difference between what people say and what people do, just I wasn't going to talk about this, but Labour have been... you know, Given they've taken the high, moral high ground on transparency and honesty in politics, they've had a strange week in terms of some of their policy announcements, which have been, you know, they're, they're verging towards out-and-out out porky pies. So they, one of their numbers they were floating around was that there had been... A, the effective cost of living on your average household was £2,300, roughly. It turns out it's 700 quid. They also said that they were abolishing non-DOM status. But what, they, what they'd really pledged to do was reduce it to five years and come up with another arrangement, which, you know, is, is up to you to decide whether or not that means you just reapply... Or 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 whatever. So Labour, in terms of like, with the way that they're posturing, is that you know we are the party of of honesty. And then at a campaign level, they seem to. I mean, they've gone for Sunak's wife in terms of how uh, um, Starmer in across the dispatch box has made several repeated allusions to Boris Johnson's personal life. Are we seeing a return of the sort of shifty ways of New Labour?
0: Well, all I can say about that is that it probably. Does not speak particularly well of Starmer's leadership. That I follow politics probably a bit more than average. I'm not obsessive about it, but I, you know, doing my job, you know, Westminster, all that kind of thing. Both of those announcements passed me by from Starmer. <laughs> both that that claim about 2,300 pounds or whatever it was, and the non-dom thing, I, I somehow managed to miss. So perhaps these things are not yet cutting through in the way that the leadership
1: would like. Or maybe it's the dark arts of social media where they're hoping they deliberately get it wrong and then twats like me quote tweet it and, get, and give it and give it oxygen. Because Labour have talked about non-dom status uh, in previous campaigns, but they do they just it, it's quite easy for them to just bring it up and, 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 and toss it away. Maybe I guess the logic for them is that there was a degree of talking about party gate where they sort of they sort of there was a danger that the public would go, well, they don't have anything else to talk about. Do you know what it reminded me of? Is Starmer talking about Partygate. You know when you're out your missus and uh, you're talking about what a terrible meal another couple are having at a table, you go, look at them. I mean, God, they haven't got anything to talk to each other about. (laughs) Imagine if me and you had nothing to talk to. I mean, I I wouldn't want to be them. You go, but you don't have anything to talk about either. (laughs) You're talking about another couple's problems. So here's what it is. Labour are currently... The couple that also have problems in their relationship its just that right now they aren't quite as obvious as the other couple sitting across the restaurant. I really wanted to talk to you uh, about this. I don't know if people have seen it, but just if you can just Google quickly, Justin Trudeau. If you go onto my Twitter, actually, uh, there's a video of Tr- Justin Trudeau and he is he's speaking to the kids, Chris. I mean, because as you know, as you know, like kids, are, they're just waiting for the next sort of political dispatch or, or, or kind of, you know, they're they're just scanning Twitter, aren't they, for for uh, for updates on COVID? And the way he speaks to them is so fucking creepy. Mm. And he's talking about getting a vaccine. He goes, "I know that you're excited, <laughs> yeah. but I got good news. Four and five year old children, you'll be able to get the vaccine real soon." And I thought, I don't know what five year olds you know, mate, but this ain't Legoland, mate. You know. This is, this is a needle in an arm which a lot of people think that kids that young don't really need to have. So the, 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 the insanity of the pitch, I mean, firstly, it's so obviously creepy that I think maybe I've got the temperature of Canadian discourse wrong. Maybe they're very fearful people and this plays out really well. I mean, you know, as, as somebody who's been called out both sides of, of the kind of COVID way of thinking, how do you read that? I think he's
0: talking to the parents, isn't he, really? He's, he's trying to infect them with enthusiasm by looking so excited about the possibility that a a child can not only have the vaccine when they're five but can actually book to have it on their fifth birthday. <laughs> is that what you offered? I think that's what he said, isn't it?
1: Oh, somebody <laughs> stop this man. Do you know what? I know that what Putin's doing at the moment is like really, really bad, but stuff like this, it's it's a different kind of bad, isn't it? We He's got to be stopped as well.
0: Yeah, him and... Um, Ardern in New Zealand, they're two people I find very, very... The woke very, axis very of evil. Yeah, there's just <laughs> something insufferable about both of them. Um, I mean, on... I don't know. It, now obviously, there's worse people, like, you know, Putin's... Oh, there's plenty of worse people, but they don't deep down annoy me to my core in the same way that, that Trudeau does. I find him. Insufferable.
1: It's that thing anybody that's worked in and around like politics or show business will know that in a weird way the arseholes that are arseholes and act like arseholes are far you know, in a way, this is where the success of someone like Trump comes in is you go, Right, I think that the level of arsehole he's displaying is probably around about his top end. Yeah. Whereas it's true though, you're not even seeing close to what that man has got to offer. Quite possibly. In terms of being a prick.
0: Yeah. There's, I just, there's certain people I just cannot understand how anybody would want to vote for them, and those two, and also Nicola Sturgeon, I'd say as well, I find very, very annoying. Um, I don't know what it is about them. There's an element of disingenuousness about a lot of what they say. I mean, that video Trudeau did is a prime example, and that was just, it was just weird. It's a very weird thing to do, but I think the the plan was to look so excited about the prospect of you know vaccines for five to eleven year olds that parents, some of whom presumably have voted for Trudeau, he did win the last election, sort of, um, would go, well, if, if Justin's excited about this and he doesn't seem to think there's anything to worry about, then maybe we should be. Let's get him booked in
1: instead of, you know, McDonald's. Let's get him booked in I for a birthday. I I've, I think if, even if you take out the kind of uh, uh, sort of virtue signaling zeal, zeal that he possesses, the colour of his hair is so black like, I don't think, that alone, for me, his, his hair is like, remember Tim Henman, mid-90s black? <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Do you remember, like, when he was sweating and you thought, well, oh, some this is just going to run into his his eye. His hair is, is so black. And I just don't think that, you know, people talk about Boris being scruffy, right, and, and uh, you know, they get hung up on this. I also think there's a danger of being really good-looking. Like, if you just think, as, as a woman, say you're listening to this, you're a woman, you're a liberal, you like Justin Trudeau, think about, in your life, what you've let good-looking men get away with, right? That bit of charm, mm-hmm. you know. Boris, Boris obviously has some sort of charm. Jesus Christ, he's, he's certainly punched above his weight in terms of his own face, but he's had to earn that. Trudeau's had to earn nothing. What
0: most think.
1: So Trudeau wasn't exactly zero COVID, but in another part of the world, uh, we are seeing what zero COVID would really look like in, in, in a long term sense, certainly uh, in Shanghai. Not everyone will be aware of this, Chris. So if you just update us as to how they're. A uh, company managing COVID in Shanghai.
0: With extreme brutality. Um, mm. uh, the p- Persistence is their uh, literally their watchword. So um, they had an outbreak in Shanghai. They've got an outbreak in Beijing now. I suspect Beijing will be next for a lockdown. And as people will know, the Chinese do not mess around when it comes to lockdowns. And mm. in the past, they've been basically successful insofar in as they have achieved the aim of wiping out the virus in whatever town or city. They've locked down, but because Omicron is so much more infectious, you know, I think the the mm. the sort of R, R zero, you know, the the uh, infection rate with the Wuhan strain was like two, so you'd infect each person would infect two people, which is enough, obviously, to get exponential growth. But it's twelve with Omicron apparently, so it, there's really no chance of stopping it because even when you have a lockdown of course you still have to have somebody some people out there some people have to be delivering the food which has been a big problem in shanghai you've got to have doctors you've got to have various people you know key workers so the the thing can still transmit and they've not been able to really get the numbers down very much and they've got no prospect at all of getting them down to zero so eventually when they end the lockdown it will just shoot up again and this is a major problem um, in all sorts of ways. I mean, there's 25 million people in Shanghai. They all need to be fed now via an app, basically, which, which you, you know, this is two and a half times the population of London, and people are all essentially getting takeaways, and there just isn't enough capacity to deliver that food. So people are getting very hungry. Um, there's also the big problem that Shanghai is, I don't know if it's the world's biggest port, but it's certainly one of the most important ports, a huge amount of exports coming out of Shanghai. Um, that is going to start biting in terms of global prices very soon. The, you know, the, the, the um, proverbial slow boat from China takes a while to get there, But, you know, we're going to start noticing that these boats are not coming in such big numbers in, in the weeks to come. Um, so it's a big problem for the whole world to a large extent. It's a, also a big problem for the Chinese Communist Party, which is really made i mean they've been laughing at the west for the last two years calling us idiots for allowing this virus to spread and saying that they are you know, china's the best country mm. in the world because they know how to deal with it and they they just won't back down and they can't really back down because they haven't got enough people vaccinated that's one of the weird things about china and also hong kong is whereas in the uk we started with the oldest people we started with william shakespeare
1: and we and uh, went down to now five-year-olds um, 15 million jabs to freedom yeah, times hundreds to the multiple of the <laughs> And
0: uh and in China they didn't. They just basically first come, first served. And older Chinese people are quite suspicious of this kind of what well, they would see, I guess, as Western medicine. So I think only like twenty percent of the over sixty-fives in China have had the
1: three of it jabs. They don't as well. They don't have mandatory vaccinations. No. And not that I think I think that's a repugnant idea. But I mean, you think they would think if you'd... anyone's gonna do it, you think they would. Do you know what I mean? If you're doing the authoritarian thing, you might as well go, go all on, in. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, if you if you ever to be a rapper, you might as well, you know, live the lifestyle, mm. you know, have the car with the big rims. I just don't underst- understand um, that logic. But then I guess what we don't understand about China is how hard to find some of these... Rural communities are yeah. and and I suppose the thing is you know what you know there was a period in this pandemic where another one of these incantations of zero covid you know an easy thing to type that makes you think you 've done your your kindly thing for the world, and what I suppose we've seen with the video footage in, in China is what that looks like and it, it 's it's, it's, it's the opposite of freedom it 's the opposite of, of, of virtue it 's a fucked up policy that was never going to work um, in the long run yeah. and 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 yet you find people that the slightest sniff. That there might be data in this country that that could lead to the return of certain mitigations. I mean, one thing that happened on, I think it was it was even last week, but basically there was a day where there were 600 plus deaths registered, registered and uh, yeah. and registered. But as, as you pointed out, so everyone shares this and going, my God, this is you know, Boris the butcher hashtag Boris has killed your nan hashtag you know Boris is probably the reason you still owe money on your mortgage and. Do, but it was because of a recording uh, not error but, but basically We've for three holiday, straight days before Monday, four, yeah.
0: four days without reporting any deaths there's a backlog yeah. and people yeah, if you're going to talk about COVID at all that's the kind of thing you should know yeah. by now that there's a reporting backlog but James O'Brien the author of How to Be Right and How Not to Be Wrong blithely mm. went on his LBC show and said that 646 people died of COVID yesterday what a, what a tragedy and of course when you then try and explain that to people and go actually there haven't been more than 200 deaths from COVID in England for like mm over a year or whatever it is um people go well it's still well how many have there been you go well actually about 190 maybe well that's far too many so all right well how many is what's the right number you know
1: and one is too many one chris. is too many one, one, one is too many
0: that's obviously not true and <laughs> uh yeah that every death's a tragedy do well, you well, let's want be people honest.
1: to die chris uh, yeah not every death is no a, tragedy. a lot a lot this of deaths are a deliverance
0: and yeah a blessing but i mean in all seriousness people die of things and obviously we all would like nobody to die of covid but as china has shown that is not possible so we just need to accept covid as one of the family of diseases that makes us is going to make us sick from time to time but you'd be very unlucky or very unwell if you actually die from it and there's nothing more we can do other than distribute vaccines and certainly face masks and air
1: filters aren't going to make any difference so yeah to me zero covid people are basically now you know in the film team america world police yes. where the guy looks at his love interest and goes i promise you i will never ever die <laughs> that's the lev- <laughs> that's the levity of sobriety and objectivity in the zero covid movement Okay, just one letter this week, and I think I get where this is coming from. Jeff, have you ever been put off by a woman on a panel show? Wink, wink, Boris is a liar, Mags Dover. That's weird, because Dover, you would think instinctively would be right wing. I don't know why, but I mean, it's it's definitely a conservative constituency. I suppose she's hinting at the Angela Rayner thing here, which was a great effort by the Mail on Sunday to do sort of like a 1970 souvenir (laughs) edition of their newspaper. I hope somebody kept up, you know, I mean, I, I haven't seen the rest of the paper, but I'm presuming it was all stories from back then, you know, or stories from now handled that way. It was really odd. Um, I think that, you know, when I saw that question, Time, I did think that there was a certain thing between them, like he he seemed to like facing her more than, you know, and she seemed to relish the challenge. But I don't know if it was anything beyond that. But I suppose the question that Mags is asking is, have I ever been put off by a woman on a panel show um, no, I mean, look, I've been on panel shows with many be- beautiful women, you know, stunning women. I haven't even noticed, Chris. I, I, I know that they're beautiful, but I don't even know that because I'm not, I'm not even paying attention. To me, they're basically, they basically got the faces of a jelly baby, as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. Did you, did you read the article? I did read the article. Angelina
0: yeah. has since said that it implied that she was thick, and I'm not going to comment on that. But other than to yeah. say that I didn't say anything in the article which implied. No, I didn't see that. I think possibly the thing that really annoyed her is that she was described in the article as a socialist grandmother. (laughs) Angela, Angela (laughs) Rayner, 41, a socialist grandmother. That might have she might have found that a little bit offensive. I don't
1: know. That is a very niche search, if you know what I mean. Still, yeah, factually correct. Chris, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. People love it uh, when you come on. As you say, you've got the report coming out. Uh, you've got your book still available on Amazon. And as Britain's, I would say, Britain's preeminent uh, libertarian and commenter, thank you very much for coming on What Most People Always. Think. Always a pleasure, never
0: <laughs>